Hi, and welcome to the Unashamedly Human podcast, a podcast created to help you get out of your head and into your life. That is, if you want to have more fun, freedom, happiness, peace of mind, and success whilst squeezing the juice out of every area of your life. Join Jackie Ford every Thursday and listen in to her warm Scottish tones, wise heart and wonderful sense of humour as she interviews guests and discusses what it means to be unashamedly human. Hello and welcome to the Unashamedly Human podcast. My name is Jackie Ford and I am the hostess with the mostess, I think. Anywho, <laughs> this week... I just wanted to shoot the breeze with you all, just to to sit here and ramble and talk about things I've seen coming up in my practice and talk about some of the things that I'm doing in the world that hopefully will pique your interest. Oh, and there'll be a few wee stories in there about what's going on with with family, of course. And I'm going to start with that one. Um, As you all know by now, we have two grandchildren little Archie, who's nine months old now, and Ailey, who just turned three on Sunday. So we were all at her birthday party. And little Ailey, I call her my pumpkin, is the cutest little button ever. And I'm really enjoying the journey of being a grandma with her because it's giving me this, this wonderful opportunity to notice noticing myself and reparenting myself at the same time. And I'm noticing that my daughter is doing the same thing. Um, It's been fascinating with her to be able to talk about things that I didn't understand with my mother. And she's been able to talk about things that she hasn't understood with me either. So we're just having this beautiful healing, healing between us in the hope that any of the misunderstandings I've had with Megan, my daughter, um, she doesn't pass on to her daughter. And it's wonderful these days because there's just so much information out there on the internet um, to read and to see and to hear and to purchase books. It's, It's unbelievable teaching us more about our psychology, but also teaching us more about our spiritual nature. When... My mother was grown up. There was there was no such thing. There was no information for her. And she did the best that she possibly could. And when I had my daughters, it was the same thing. There was no internet. And there was still an awful lot of stigma around anxiety and not being able to cope because the mantra, you know, from the 60s, 70s, 80s and 90s was very much, you can be a professional and you can have it all which was the story that was fed to me by my mother, who just thought this was the best thing ever. Equality for women and we're as good as men and we can have absolutely everything that we wanted. Family, fantastic job, etc., etc. I had an amazing job, a fantastic job, you know, first as a nurse, a midwife, and then uh, working in the pharmaceutical industry for over 30 years. Great high-profile corporate job. And I also had three beautiful daughters. And I also didn't have a scooby about my mental health. I didn't understand when I was getting anxious. I didn't understand when I was feeling burnt out or overwhelmed. I just got on with it. My upbringing was very much about being stoic. You know, you throw lemons and I'll make lemonade. 
you just got on with it, smile on your face, swallowed it down and just got on with life. And that does have repercussions, as many of you probably listening to this will know. And these repercussions come out in behaviours that are great for self-soothing, like overeating, drinking, over-drinking too much alcohol, taking drugs, um, binge-eating, problems with, with eating, all sorts of eating disorders, anxiety, overwhelm, hiding from people because you don't want to speak to them, um, isolating yourself, um, developing obsessive-compulsive behaviours. I mean, honestly, that list goes on and on and on as we all seek to do what many have not been taught to do, and that is to regulate our emotions. And that is exactly what I'm speaking about when I see the healing that's going on between myself and my daughter, the healing that's going on between myself and my mother who's no longer with me, and the healing that, that is happening as Ailey grows up is phenomenal because we're learning to regulate our emotions via understanding our bodies more, understanding our minds more and understanding ourselves, our psycho-spiritual nature more. And I just think it's 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 beautiful. It is so beautiful to see and witness not only in myself, but in my clients in their lives too, as they start to understand that everyone's always doing the best that they can. I mean, I don't care who you are. You're doing the best that you can in that particular moment of time dependent on your state of mind, dependent on your well-being, dependent on so many things, you're behaving in the way that makes sense to you. And if you knew better, you would do better. So sometimes when I see a lot of this um, new information that's coming out on the internet about you know, blaming your parents for for them not teaching you how to regulate your emotions. I'm sorry, but your parents didn't know how because they didn't have access to this information. They had no clue. They are not as well-read, well-educated as you are because there was so much stigma around mental health and psychology and anybody who displayed any kind of deviant from what was considered doing life and getting on with things was thought of as strange. And, and trust me, I started looking into self-help when I was about, ooh, about 22, 23. I started looking into self-help books because I just had this feeling that there was more to life than I understood. And I wanted to know more. I really wanted to know more, especially because my grandmother, who I adore, I still adore, adore her. She's not been with us now for, for at least 40 years. I I just adored that woman. Uh, I was brought up by her when I was younger, in my early years. During the war, she was left to bring up three children on her own because my grandfather was a prisoner of war in a Japanese war camp. So she wasn't given any help by the state because if he'd been a, a merchant seaman, she would have received some kind of a financial um, severance. But because my grandpa was in the... Um, he, he, he didn't do that. He was a merchant seaman. 
my grandmother had to fend for three children all by herself, which wasn't easy in the 1940s. And because they lived in high density um, living situation, uh, the children all got scarlet fever and pneumonia and all sorts of illnesses that, that, that just propagated during the World War, the Second World War. So my grand dealt with all that stress and worry all by herself because she wouldn't have admitted it to anybody. She wouldn't have spoken to anybody about it. And she would have been afraid to be judged. I mean, I even remember her talking about going down to the steamy. And the steamy, for anybody who doesn't know, is where women in Scotland, especially Glasgow, would go to wash their clothes. And it's where the women would all get together and they would all talk and they'd all catch up in the latest gossip. Then they would come home and they would hang their washing out in their back gardens or the back greens of the tenements. And I always remember my gran saying that there was a shame attached to hanging out your, your white washing, if it wasn't absolutely beautifully white, you, you would feel embarrassed to hang it out in your back garden. Um, you know, and you look at that now and you think, oh, bless, that's that's a shame that <laughs> you carried that, that kind of um, guilt, even about your washing. It was just such a shame-based society. Anyhow, my grandfather came back he, he came back from the second world war and um, he came back a different man he was a, a beautiful soul who again stoically didn't want to speak about his experiences of being a, a prisoner in a, a japanese war camp for three years um, and all the atrocities that must have happened in there that he saw and witnessed and experienced and he didn't want to talk to anybody about it. And there was no groups, no self-help. Men didn't talk about these things. And my grandfather found a way to soothe his feelings. And that was through alcohol. He was a binge drinker. He wasn't always over-served. But, you know, he was over-served on occasion. Um, and that, unfortunately, led to my grandfather dying when he was in his mid-50s. Um, that, as well as being in near Hiroshima when the atomic bomb went off, um, had its its uh, implications on his health, uh, causing him to have pancreatic cancer. So my gran lost her husband when he was in his mid-50s. And then she lost her son five years later. And as a result of that, my gran really found her mental health deteriorating. At the same time, incidentally, she was going through menopause, perimenopause. So the first thing she did was she went to the doctors and the doctor prescribed her um, antidepressants, as they did. Um, there was no talking therapy. There was no opportunity to talk through things or understand why she might be feeling that way. She just felt she shouldn't be feeling that way because she also had been fed this stoic idea of he just got on with things. Things happen, you just got on. You bury them, you don't talk about them, you just got on. And unfortunately, the antidepressants didn't work. And she ended up going into hospital and had electroconvulsive therapy. Now, I remember going to see my gran, this woman that I absolutely adored, and I was only about 
11 years old, 10 or 11 years old, and going up to see her in the local psychiatric hospital and meeting her. She always insisted that we met her in the, the tea room where visitors could meet with the people that were in the hospital while they were having their treatment. And I remember being in this tea room with my gran. And at that time, people were allowed to smoke in tea rooms and there was a lot of smoke and there was a lot of people who were very agitated and it just felt so unsafe to me as a young child. And I just remember crying all the time when I saw my gran because I thought, my gran shouldn't be here. She shouldn't be here. Even though she was only in for a week while she had her treatment. Luckily... The treatment worked and she managed her, her mental health much better. And then when my mother started to go through perimenopause, she became depressed or she said she was depressed or whatever was going on. And with my gran, they called it, you know, it, it, it was um, an endogenous depression. It was, it was, um, I think that's what it was called like something that was outside of herself that that caused it you know sort of the, the feeling of, of of her son and her, her her husband dying so quickly and um, in such a short span of time and my mum's they were saying you know it, it was all to do with with her something inside of her she was kind of making herself depressed my mum got put on antidepressives and she was on them I think for the rest of her life and I always swore, I think, because I'd had this experience of my gran and my mum, that I would exhaust every avenue to understand myself more fully. And that meant reading self-help books. Um, whenever Jerry, my husband and I, would take our three daughters to the local bookstore on the weekend, the kids would be in the kids section. Jerry loves sci-fi, so he'd be looking at the sci-fi section. And, you know, if ever they lost me in the store, you know, if Jerry said, where's your mum? Her kids that's of seven, five and three could go, mum's in the self-help section. <laughs> Which is, they still remind me about that today and they're now 30, 27 and 25. Which is just really funny. But I was searching outside of myself for answers because I didn't want to end up in the same space or place as both my mother and my grandmother had ended up. And they ended up in that space because there was no internet. There was no access to information. There was huge amounts of stigma around um, mental health. And there wasn't an understanding of what happens to women's bodies and minds as they go through menopause, perimenopause, which drives me crazy. You know, that they, 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 I just wish someone had known and could have pointed them in the right direction. Because when I started to go through perimenopause and menopause, I realised that I too found my mood was lower. I wasn't as excited about the same kind of things as I was before. I had a tendency to think darkly about things that previously I'd always been quite optimistic, you know, getting on with life. I found myself feeling anxious about things that, that never bothered me before. And it all just felt really, really strange. And that is why I'm so grateful for this understanding that I teach, or one of the understandings that I teach called the three principles. 
Because the three principles, thanks to Sid Banks and his teachings, have taught me not to be afraid of my own experience. To understand that I can have dark thoughts, I can have an agitation in my body, I can have, you know, trepidation thoughts that are depressive and not be afraid of them because they don't define who I am. They are just thoughts that are temporarily passing through and depending again on my state of mind or my state of well-being, I might be more prone at sometimes to take them more seriously than I would any other time. And that's okay. There's no judgment. There's no shame. It is just part of the human design where we oscillate between being conscious enough to see what's happening and sometimes not being conscious enough to see what's happening. Um, And all of it is okay. This understanding of the principles is is really, it's the foundation of everything. Foundation of of humans being able to understand their psycho-spiritual nature in a beautiful and simple way teaching us how our psychology works, but also teaching us how our spiritual nature works. Because we are both. We can't be one without the other. Yet, people are frightened of the thought of spiritual spirituality. They think it's something to do with religion. You know, and they kind of, they tune out. And often sort of like spirituality, like religion, it comes laden with all sorts of preconceived notions. And personally, I just think there's too many interpretations of spirituality and being spiritual. With some people really confusing it with religion, thinking it's only connected to some kind of religion. And if, you know, you're agnostic or you don't believe in any kind of religion, you really don't want anything to do with spirituality. And some people believe that it only has to do with yoga or meditation or eating organic or making your own compost. You know what? Some people have even asked me, you know, has it got to do with ghosts or dead people? And I just find that really, really funny. You see, we're all spiritual beings. All sentient beings are are spiritual beings. We're all connected we're all connected and we're all one with the universe. There is a purpose to our lives, even when you haven't found it. And I do believe there is a benevolent cause, even as we have pain and suffering in the world, that it's opportunities to learn. Yes, it is awful when bad things happen. There's always a teaching, there's always a learning. It's about learning about yourself. It's about learning about your experience. It's about moving on from that, evolving and and, and knowing something new and something fresh, which sometimes doesn't come straight away. Sometimes that learning comes later on. But it is, it's impossible to prove spirit and spiritual concepts with our heads. You know, I'd love to be able to to show people (laughs) spirit, but you have to feel it. You know, you have to feel it within yourself. We can think with our hearts and we can feel with our heads. You know, what that means is 
we can't view and dissect life using only scientific observation, analysis, experimentation and results. Our heads are used to observe and think about life and our hearts look beyond the surface and seek connection with that that's hidden. When Wayne Dyer says there are two mindsets, he says the materialist says, I'll believe it when I see it. So the materialist doesn't believe in anything that cannot be perceived, measured, approved. He just wants the scientific proof of the facts before accepting anything. That's my husband. <laughs> the spiritual person, on the other hand, has a completely different view. A spiritual person will see, I'll see it when I believe it. Because we realise there's an inherent beauty and intelligence in the universe. And there must be a higher power that oversees and controls all of these gorgeous natural laws of the universe. And there is purpose and meaning to our lives, even though we don't understand tragedy and suffering. Most of what we experience in the world can't be explained or proven. It can only be experienced. So, when I think back to my daughter and the beginning of this podcast and my granddaughter, Ailey, and the healing that we're all going through, that wouldn't have been possible without the knowledge and the wisdom that I've gathered through the years of understanding the principles and not feeling as though I have to control life because there is a higher power out there, a divine power that supports me, that does the heavy lifting. So I don't have to be the control freak that I was when I was a young mother. My daughter is seeing that too about herself. And she too will teach that to her daughter. I see the innocence in my grandmother's experience, my mother's experience. And I really would have loved if they had been talking therapies or you know, people had understood perimenopause and menopause more deeply so that they could have understood that it wasn't their fault that they were having this different experience of life. It was being, it's natural, it's normal. And if they had known about the principles too, they wouldn't have taken their experience so seriously. And that's what's allowed me to journey through my perimenopause and menopause lightly without the aids of any kind of medication because I stopped looking outside of myself and I started to listen to what my body and my mind were telling me to do. So when we slow down and we take the time to look deeper into life, the world and spirituality, there is a reverence for all of these unseen laws that hold everything together in perfect rhythm and harmony. And then all these concepts, they don't seem like spiritual stuff anymore, but just expressions of life, expressing life. Next Monday, the 22nd of May, I'm beginning an exploration of the principles, the three principles that you've heard me speaking about in this podcast. It's a 14-week journey of both recorded material and live calls 
that take you to a deeper understanding of what I've just been speaking about. The course has audios, it has written material, it has animations and videos and question and answer sessions that really allow you to make common sense out of a spiritual understanding. And if there's something that I'm known for, it's about teaching this understanding in a very loving, kind, lighthearted and ordinary way. Because when we understand the principles in that way, it's just life expressing life. And it means it's easier for us to share this understanding with other souls because we're not looking for the woo-woo words. We're speaking the way that we normally speak in general conversation. And in that way, we're helping people see something new for themselves, planting seeds and waiting for the wisdom to pop up. So if you would like to join me, there are uh, there is information on the podcast notes and uh, you can subscribe to my email and the podcast by just filling in the details that you see on my website and um, on the podcast notes. Until then, take care of yourselves and uh, I look forward to speaking to you all soon. Bye for now. Could be larger than life, bigger than the world. Living out the hopes and dreams of every boy and every girl. You could fly higher than the sky, shine brighter than the stars. You can live all you ever You could